welcome to class. This is the Media Major. Welcome to the Media Major, a brand new podcast hosted by yours truly, Yasmin Merkovich. Now, before we get started, just so you know, I am not a professional by any means. I literally am a media major going into my fourth year, or well, just started my fourth year of media production at Ryerson University in Toronto. I'm specializing in TV and film, and I'm pursuing a career in producing and screenwriting. So you can say I have a a bit of an eye for story design, um, production quality, and putting it all together. So, you know, as someone who has some experience in audio and everything, I decided I wanted to pursue a podcast. So everything that you hear on this podcast is kind of going to be based on what I've learned in school, research, Um, real critics, professional critics who get paid to do it, um, their reviews, plus my own opinion, which is of course subjective. So everything you hear, you can kind of just take it with a grain of salt. You don't have to agree with me. Maybe one day when this like takes off, if it ever does, we can have those discussions over social media and whatnot. But for now, call it what you want. Think of it what you want. These are just my opinions. So basically on this podcast, I'm going to be reviewing the pilot episodes of TV shows as well as seasons of shows that I like enough to watch all the way through. So because I'm a full-time university student and I work part-time, it's kind of hard to be watching a lot of TV always, especially as the semester goes on. So sitting down and watching a pilot is a heck of a lot easier. And then, you know, if I like a show, I will go through and watch it just not necessarily all at once or in a short period of time. I just, I don't, I don't binge shows unless I'm not in school. So this is kind of my way of getting to do something I enjoy and talk about it for no one else but myself and maybe a couple listeners. So that's basically what I'm going to do. Maybe I might review a movie here and there, um, but given the current state of the world, there aren't a ton of movies coming out right now to review, so... Yeah. Now for my very first episode, I'm going to be talking about a show that maybe has lost a bit of relevance now, but you know what? I don't really care because I planned this episode and was waiting for my mic to come in to do this. Um, So today I'm going to be talking about Netflix's new teen drama, Outer Banks. Although the first season did come out months ago now, they did get confirmed for a second season, so I think it's kind of relevant to be talking about it still. I'm going to try to attempt to be spoiler free. I hate when people spoil TV shows and movies. And I know it's kind of hard when you're reviewing content to not spoil it, but I'm going to do my best. Um, And if I do think I'm going to spoil something, I will outwardly say like, spoiler alert. So a little synopsis of what Outer Banks is. So according to Netflix's little description, which we all know, they're not very good. After a hurricane, John B., JJ, Pope, and Kiara plunge headlong into danger and adventure when they find a mysterious sunken wreck. That says, like, literally nothing about this show except for a little bit of the pilot episode. So, for broader context, this show definitely deals with a lot of class warfare um, between the two different social groupings um, in the outer banks of, I think, North Carolina. Um, There's the Pogues, who are our low-income, you know, really, like, blue-collar kind of workers. Um, They're the ones working for the rich people. They work a lot of the jobs and everything, don't have the best lives. They're on one side of, I guess it's a group of islands, I think, called the Cut. Well, 
they live in the cut. Then there's the Coots, very weird name for our rich kids who grow up in figure eight, which is, you know, all your big, beautiful beach houses, not all of which are on the beach, but you know, they're beautiful, you know, your million dollar homes. So that's the main premise is that there's these two groups, very different. Um, and our main group of characters there, they're Pogues, low income, and they're looking for main character John B's father who's gone missing while he was at sea. Um, and amidst this all, they decide to look for the shipwreck of the Royal Merchant, which is a British mercantile ship. And it sunk a long time ago with like a hundred million dollars worth of gold. It's a big deal. They want to find this gold that's on this ship because nobody's been able to find it. Um, and that's pretty much the premise for the whole season is them going on this treasure hunt for the gold and all the mishaps and adventures that come along the way. Um, and like a typical teen drama, it deals with, you know, love, drugs, money, friendship, familial relationships, all that kind of wholesome stuff that's, you know, supposed to be part of our teen lives in a very heightened, you know, manner because it's a TV show. The pilot. So for for like clarity, I did watch the full first season of the show, but I had to watch the pilot twice because I was unnecessarily harsh the first time around I watched the show just because people kept saying, you know, oh, it's so good. And like, if you haven't watched Outer Banks, what are you doing? So I was already interested in the show and then watching it, I just decided to be super critical, which probably wasn't fair. So I did go back a second time to watch it um, with new eyes. And honestly, the pilot's probably my favorite episode, um, simply because of the dynamics that they present in it. And, you know, pilot episodes are meant to hook you. Um, so I guess it worked. I want to start with the very opening scene. Now, it sets for me a really great tone for the show, or what could have been the show, because it doesn't carry throughout the season. I just love that element of, you know, the core group of four friends, like, hanging out, just enjoying their summer, you know, being teenagers. And it kind of like indicates that like this is kind of what it's going to be about. It's going to be about this group of not really misfits, but you know, they're this little like group. They're kind of on their own a little bit, kind of like outsiders. They're not popular or anything. And they're like kind of day-to-day -day adventures and like the trouble they get into on the island, the life of like teenagers growing up on the coast and on the water. I guess, you know, I kind of expected it to be more Dawson's Creek. And I think they could have had a lot of success with that, but they didn't go that way. As this episode starts, um, we do hear an opening monologue uh, narrated by main character John B. Always John B., never just John. Um, and for me, it was really reminiscent of Veronica Mars. Wow, two references to older teen dramas. It's a trend. Follow, follow along with that. Um, yeah, it's very reminiscent of Veronica Mars and how she introduces Neptune at the start of the show. You know, small town, there's the rich kids, and there's the poor kids who work for the rich kids. No middle class. Same deal here on the Outer Banks. So for a show that does want to talk social disparity, it's kind of an interesting dynamic that they threw in. And it also very much sets the tone for a lot of narration throughout the rest of the season. One thing that this pilot episode did do is that it established a lot of chemistry between the characters, in some in a romantic sense, but it was interesting because it was a show that 
didn't actually follow through on a lot of the chemistry, which, you know, when you're a fan or just an audience member watching it, you kind of expect to see those relationships play out and you start rooting for them and start thinking like, oh, that could be cute. But this show really doesn't do that. And it's interesting because, you know, you'll always think when you watch a show, like, Sometimes they do create like relationships and characters and dynamics that like they want you to not want them to be together or they want you to be or they want you to want them to be together but that didn't really happen a lot on this show um aside from like very obviously with John B and Sarah where they really want you to root for them as a couple but meanwhile in the first episode the chemistry that they establish is between John B and Kiara so for me, that was really interesting because it kind of felt like it could work and that there was going to be like that whole element of are they or aren't they? Are they going to end up together? How is this going to affect the friend group? And I think they really should have played with that, but they just decided, no, we're going to have them have a little bit of chemistry and then like break them up. They also introduced the fact that like JJ is sexually attracted more so to Kiara, which kind of sucks that they make like one of their main female characters just like the love interest for a lot of it. But at the same time, like that little seed was planted there too. And that's another thing they don't follow up on later on. So it kind of didn't make sense that like a lot of the stuff they were introducing early on, they just very quickly got rid of and changed pace and changed gears and they could have just focused on what they wanted to do initially from the get-go. So I don't know. That felt weird in like a pilot episode context to, to see these things that like the show doesn't run with. And I know like there are some pilot episodes like Gossip Girl where when they actually started the season, it completely changed. But they made sure to kind of acknowledge the stuff that they were keeping and quickly change the stuff that they wanted to. Whereas here, they kind of ran with it and continued some of that as a through line to the next episodes but then just completely got rid of it. So, I don't know. Weird way to, to start a show. Um, I also think, like, overall, the, the pilot episode indicates that they very much could have gone in some very different directions with the full season. Obviously, they decided to go with mostly the sort of mystery element where they're searching for the royal merchant shipwreck, but they could have gone with a more lighthearted teen drama, more about their interpersonal relationships and everything like that like not a not as a high stake show like um euphoria but something more reminiscent of the older teen dramas before it was all about teen solving murders and getting into like serious trouble you know what i mean from like a technical standpoint there are some flaws with the pilot episode the editing overall for the show is not like exceptional i don't think um just the editing style at least for me didn't sit the best. There's a lot of abrupt transitions, um, a lot of just like straight cuts, not nice like they don't use kind of nice like medium shots to just kind of transition from one scene to another or to indicate like a passing of time. They kind of just like to cut it and then use narration to describe what's happening now um, when you know their cinematography was beautiful so they very much could have just used that to their advantage and made really nice smooth transitions but instead they relied on the narration and I think that was a bit of a drawback for me but 
if you're not someone who pays attention a lot to that sort of thing, or you don't really care about the editing of a show, you probably wouldn't care with this one. But if you are someone who enjoys production quality and some of the post-production elements of a show, that probably would be a downside for you. It was a downside for me. But I do have to just say the cinematography on the show is beautiful. Um, I wish I knew the name of the DOP off the top of my head, but it was a very well shot show. And that is something I do have to give Netflix credit for. Even if their content isn't exceptional, they do know how to make things look good. Or they're willing to put the money into people who know how to make it look good. Now, on to my general thoughts, not just about like the pilot, but the show in general. To me, this show is really just a combination of a bunch of other like older teen shows. Like I think, like I said, Dawson's Creek, Veronica Mars, um, kind of has One Tree Hill elements to it and it's set in Carolina, so that really much so works. Um, I guess you could say there's a bit of mystery to it, like Twin Peaks, but Riverdale's more Twin Peaks than, than this is. Um, but it also like draws a lot on like 80s kind of, or that 80s teen movie genre. Um, the Breakfast Club kind of has some of the elements that would be here uh, as well too. There were a lot of references I saw in um, critics reviews that related Outer Banks to the Goonies, which I've never watched, but from what I've heard, it makes sense. But yeah, it, it really is like, as I've discovered, according to The Hollywood Reporter, nostalgia in a blender, which is something that Netflix has kind of been pushing recently and been achieving with some of their shows and movies. Like if you've watched um, the half of it, you would see that sort of nostalgic element in it. Uh, obviously, there are references to current day things, but yeah, it does feel very nostalgic and reminiscent of older shows, which might be a little bit of a problem because not all of our younger audience members that maybe they're trying to hit here um, as a teen show have actually seen those series. But given the prevalence of streaming services, I'm sure a lot of younger audience members have now watched some older teen shows and they always seem to be coming back. The shows that were really popular as teen series tend to find new audiences with every new generation. So hopefully um, a lot of the audience understood and appreciated those references. I certainly did. Um, I thought it was kind of nice too, but it did fall into, you know, the typical kind of 2010s teen drama idea where things have to be kind of dark and there has to be like murders and mysteries and the cops aren't good at their jobs because the teens are the ones doing all the work and stuff like that, which I don't know. <laughs> you know, it definitely has a nostalgic feel, but I think they kind of like they missed a little bit, but yeah, in general, did feel very nostalgic. They did it. Good job, Netflix. My big problem, though, with this show is that it very much ignores the racial dynamics of the Carolinas. It is set in the present day, so you think that the creators and like Netflix as the production company behind it would want to take the time to acknowledge the state of the world, especially in a day and age where Black Lives Matter as a movement is so prevalent and important. And I know that it was filmed maybe like a year ago and released kind of right before things, you know, just hit that breaking point. But, you know, if you're gonna try to make social commentary on your show, which they do try to, 
you have to acknowledge race, especially in Carolina. Like, the Carolinas have such a history steeped in, like, racism and slavery, and they don't even acknowledge it. They just treat their characters of color the exact same way as their white characters. But in reality, people of color are BIPOC folks. They still experience racial disparity and they still experience injustice because our whole system is built against them. But the show doesn't want to acknowledge that, despite the fact that two other characters are black. It just kind of blows my mind. They do, at a point, try, I think, maybe to touch a little bit on racism um, when uh, Pope is actually beat up by two of our kooks um, when he's trying to deliver groceries to um, somebody at like the country club and they jump him but they don't really talk about whether it's in regards to race or it's just they hate the pogues so much that they'll just beat them up and I think they miss a really good opportunity there to touch on racism and even Kiara um, who is light-skinned they don't talk about it at all so I, I really have to say like Netflix, like going into a second season, I sincerely hope you take the time and make the effort to actually address racism in the Carolinas and try to comment it on, on this show. Like stop with this half-assed attempts to maybe say something in terms of social commentary. Like commit, say something, like do your actors, do your audience, do the world some justice here. Like you're in a position where you can do those sort of things and it's not going to cost you. Say something. Use your platform. If you go through with the second season and don't do anything about it, like, I'm going to be sincerely disappointed. Like I said, um, they want to make social commentary, and, like, they do try, but their first, like, effort is to do it through social disparity and class warfare. And, like, it's very obvious that it's there, but at the end of the day, this show just ends up supporting, like, consumerism because, you know, our main characters their ultimate goal if when they find the gold is to just go full like a rich kid at the end of the day it's just saying that money is a solution and all we all want is to be rich and sure like let's just live in a capitalist consumer system you know let's not comment on the fact that there's a disappearing middle class and like especially now it's even more obvious than ever with the pandemic so it just kind of sucks that like they want to talk about class warfare, but it's so cheesy how they do it. And it's literally just, they hate each other because they're from different sides of the island. Like, hmm, man, man. And no, uh, none of the like rich kids have any redeeming qualities whatsoever, except for Sarah. <laughs> and it just, ugh. wow, yeah. Yeah, the show, certainly did not succeed in making social commentary so you know maybe next season they'll be allowed to now that it's not like they're testing the waters and trying to get the show liked enough to get a second season maybe they'll actually be willing to say something for once on a more light-hearted note the search for gold is just a complete mess the whole whole season as they search for gold is just them making the dumbest choices and dealing with the repercussions there's like moments where it feels like money heist, except very poorly executed. The whole thing, they could have avoided so many problems if they just didn't search for this gold, if they didn't just assume that, you know, if they find the gold that it's theirs. That gets another thing. Like, they just assume that if they find the gold from a British merchant ship, 
that they can keep it. Not that, you know, maybe it still technically belongs to the British government or to someone in Britain, UK, that area. They just assume if they find it, they can keep it. The thought processing of the show, and I get it, teens are kind of dumb, but they're not that dumb. Like, you would know if you find this gold, how are you, first of all, are you going to, like, get someone to buy it off of you? How are you going to turn that into actual, like, fiscal money, not gold? Now, I do have to say, though, the best parts for me of the show are when they're just being teenagers, like, when they're not, like, running around trying to find gold and trying to avoid, like, the main villain and everything. Like, those moments just have such an easygoing lightheartedness to them, and they're just so enjoyable, and I feel like they really should have run with it, and they missed an opportunity here because there's just, like, as a viewer, it was so fun to watch and it was engaging and you felt like you actually got to be a part of the friend group and to really experience them as people. But because they were more concerned about the overall adventure elements and all that, they kind of let that side of things go. And it's too bad because I feel like they had something kind of special there. And the fact that, you know, the cast all lived together while filming just really made it authentic and gave a more genuine vibe to their interactions as just like normal teenagers. Speaking of the cast, let's talk characters. So it's unfortunate that I don't like a lot of the characters on the show. And it's not even like the fault of the actors that they didn't play them well or anything like that. It's just the fact that the writers, the director, like the whole production team just did not give the time to a lot of the characters to actually allow for character development and for us to get the note get to know the characters. The only character that we really get to know throughout this series is John B. Makes sense because he's our main protagonist and he is a very likable character. If you gave that kind of time to the other characters, I'd probably like them better too. But instead we have characters like Kiara and Pope where I really kind of don't know who they are or where they stand. And I don't know much about them beyond like the basic traits that they've shown us, such as the fact that like Pope is supposed to be really smart and going for like a merit scholarship and he's worried that if he gets into trouble, those opportunities are going to be taken away from him. And with Kiara, the fact that she's a social justice warrior and the love interest when she doesn't need to be. Yeah, that's all I know. Sarah, she is made to be a bit more of a developed character, but again, the way they gave her a developed character was by making her the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And again, the purpose of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl is to help in the development of the main, in this case, male character. So really a lot of the characters just did not get good screen time and did not have time dedicated to developing their character. So it was really hard to like them. Although like the one character I think that really did get to have some good development was JJ. The only thing is they don't kind of let him learn from his mistakes and not make the same dumb mistakes over and over again, which is kind of problematic as well too. But I think, you know, in season two, if they give more time to some of the other characters besides John and Sarah, there could be some really good character development and we could actually really get to know them, which makes the group dynamics that much better. Like I said, the best moments are when they're being teenagers, but it's the relationships, like the actual romantic relationships that feel kind of weird. John B and Sarah, they want you to root for them, but they don't really feel like an authentic couple to me because right from the get-go, there really isn't much chemistry there. Um, they don't really know each other at all, yet in the span of four days, they're in love with each other and willing to die for each other. So it just, it felt really forced and not as authentic as if, say, like, they had worked on having Kiara and John B end up together, but I can understand why maybe they wouldn't want that to. Um, it just feels like 
they felt there needs to be relationships and, you know, that love interest there. And they maybe didn't make the best choices, in my opinion, just because it doesn't feel genuine to me and I can't get behind the relationships, which as an audience member isn't ideal. Plot flaws. Now, I'm not going to like talk about some really specific plot flaws. It's more of the overall flaws I found with the story design in general. For instance, they introduced a lot of plot points that they resolve within minutes or like very quickly within the same episode. Um, now, to me, that isn't right. As a student, I learned in my dramatic writing classes and then like my story development classes that everything has to happen for a reason, especially in dramatic writing. Everything happens to up the ante, to raise the stakes, to like push the characters even further forward, which means introducing plot points that serve a purpose for the overall story, that move the story forward with each kind of beat. In this story, they introduce plot points to resolve them like at the same, like in the same scene in some cases, which doesn't really make sense sense from a screenwriting standpoint because it means you're introducing something for no purpose because you're just going to resolve it right away. So that is a very big flaw because they do this consistently throughout the season which wastes time and money on a production and more importantly it takes time away from things that could have actually benefited them as a production such as dedicating real time to character development um, but instead, they are like, okay, you know what, let's introduce this, but let's also deal with this right now because we don't want to deal with it later, which kind of is just very, it's a scattered approach, and it doesn't really work for, like, smooth storytelling and for, like, really good drama. It just, it's a waste at the end of the day. And, you know, if me as, like, a student knows this, then somebody from Netflix who is, like, looking at this show and, you know, was greenlighting it and giving it the go-ahead and notes throughout the whole development process should have caught this, but they didn't. But, you know, Netflix just likes to create content and pump out content, so I can kind of see why they overlooked this and didn't really care. Because at the end of the day, it's all just about getting content out for them and making money through subscribers. So I think there needs to be stronger um, planning um, going into the next season. And that, you know, we need to see less of these stupid plot points so that we can focus on the story they actually want to run with. And I think that'll make it better overall. They can raise the stakes a bit more. And I think it'll just make the whole thing smoother. But we'll see. They probably won't do it. Another flaw I have that I didn't even realize right away until I rewatched the pilot is that this show relies way too much on exposition. Instead of doing the whole like show, showing, not telling type of thing, this show wants to just have John B narrate the whole thing. And for an audience member, one of the most rewarding parts is trying to figure things out and like picking up on the clues and putting it together yourself rather than just being told, okay, this, here's what's happening. Um, they would honestly, I think, rather just have John B narrate the whole show and then just tell us exactly what's happening and make the audience do no work, which means the audience is not as invested, which means if your second season isn't decent, you're gonna lose viewership. So there you go. From a whole technical producer standpoint, exposition, it's not your friend. It can be, it can be your friend sometimes, 
when you really don't have time or when you really need to say something that you can't like show per se. But in this case, a lot they could just show us, but instead they just tell us and they they doubt their audience. Like, come on, Outer Banks creators, like have faith, especially teenagers. Teenagers figure everything out. Like look at Riverdale. They go and try to fleet the Reddit crowd who's trying to figure everything out way beforehand. Like that's what you got to do. And for me, the last big flaw is just that the season finale was so underwhelming and, you know, it, they left half the characters in a position where it's like, what are you going to do with them next season? Because you kind of just stranded there, stranded them there and didn't give them kind of any like real storyline to be carrying forward. There's only really two characters that it's like, ooh, what's going to happen to them? And that's John B and Sarah. So you cut out basically half your cast and kind of left them there. Overall... The finale was okay. You know, when you watch a drama, you expect it to be like way, way bigger in a sense to go off with a bang and to have a, a greater cliffhanger because obviously that's the whole thing. You want people to come back and watch it, but this one just didn't do that. I know I sound very negative about the show, but I do have praise for it as well too. First and foremost, their director of photography exceptional you did a great job i hope they keep the same dop for the second season because there were some stunning shots the lighting was beautiful good job like yeah really that captured that like nostalgia it captured the sunsets and made you really feel like you were on the east coast um i do also have to praise the actors because after talking to my sister and everything, I found out that these actors actually went above and beyond in the filming process and learned a ton of new skills from learning how to drive a boat, from learning how to scuba dive, doing a lot of their own stunts, surfing, so on and so forth. You know, usually when you're working with younger actors, you don't have a lot of faith in them because they're young. And this is like, it sucks, but it's true. You don't put as much faith in your young actors because they're young. You think they might get hurt. You think they're going to do something stupid, whatever. So to do something as serious as like trust them to drive the boat for the scenes is really cool that, you know, they had that faith in them. And it's also nice to see, you know, actors doing their own stunts um, and like doing the work. And it's not just like having doubles for everything. From an insurance standpoint, probably cost them a bit of money. But at the same time, like if you have a safe set, you can pull it off. And I think that was pretty cool that they got to learn those new skills. And that was something that always seemed really cool about acting is that Depending on your project, you get to learn like new skills for it. Another note about the actors, um, for our actors who played JJ and Pope, uh, it's pretty cool. Apparently they improved a lot of their scenes together when it's the two of them. Um, so a lot of that banter is actually them on the spot coming up with it. Uh, so they're funny guys, clearly. They have skill to be able to improv like that. And you know, not many young actors are given the opportunity to improv at all. It's usually more seasoned actors. It's more like, and usually comedy actors too, but it's more of like the Jim Carrey's of the world, the Robin Williams, who was phenomenal at improvisation. But so for them to like turn to these guys and say, hey, like improv this scene, it's pretty cool too. I think that could also be considered a bit of a flaw because, you know, there was no purpose per se in their like dialogue. There was no like, here you have to like move the story forward in this sense. They kind of just said, here, go do, um, which maybe hindered the story a bit and maybe partially led to why there wasn't so much character development. But at the end of the day, pretty cool to be able to go in there and improv and just be like genuinely funny. Now, last but not least, looking at this show in comparison to other teen dramas, 
I think they did really achieve the kind of like a bit of the older school teen drama vibe in terms of like aesthetics and setting and like given that you know they're set in the middle of a hurricane or in the middle of the aftermath of a hurricane with no smartphones all that it does feel very like some of our older teen dramas that our parents grew up with and that now we've watched on like Netflix and so on but at the same time I feel like it's a show like Riverdale where it doesn't really know what it wants to be and what audience it's trying to meet. Riverdale has the problem where it's like okay we have these dark murder mysteries and we're also like super sexual and whatever for more of a bit of an older audience but at the same time we're also appealing to like the high schoolers and Outer Banks has that too where it's like they want to hit the high schoolers and like obviously it's a teen drama so that's their audience but at the same time it feels like their ideal market is probably college age kids maybe mid-20s just because of the content that it draws from and references its older content that younger audiences might not have been exposed to or seen yet so that kind of gets lost in translation but then it's also not like i don't know it's not serious enough or good enough per se to be content that you know a college student is going to like dedicate lots of time to or a 20 something is going to want to watch i don't know hopefully the second season will redeem it a bit um it is an easygoing watch i will say that i will watch a second season yeah from a critical standpoint and from like the standpoint of a media student it kind of misses the mark from the standpoint of just an audience member looking for something to watch, it was enjoyable. And you know what? It was a bit of escapism from the pandemic and took me to, you know, the Carolinas. And as someone who like travels to Myrtle Beach, it was kind of nice to kind of feel like I was on the beach and down south when obviously that couldn't happen this summer. So thank you for that, Netflix. I appreciate it. All in all, hopefully second season's better. They got a lot of things to work on, but, you know, maybe they'll trust their actors and listen to their actors who are more vocal about you know social injustice going on in the world and weave that into the script so i'm excited to see how that that pans out maybe next year we'll be graced with the second season but for now that is all hope you enjoyed this little class and i will see you guys or i guess talk to you guys soon bye